ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my woman. All right. Y'all have heard that years ago, years and years ago, I took the massive leap and left corporate to go follow this dream that you all hear now. But what I don't share are that there are a ton of smaller, courageous moments that have led up to that. In fact, I realize that I don't share it so much that a client of mine before signing up to work with me said, I'm just not the risk taker that you are, Karen. Like, I don't think I can just leave my job, which would mean I have no mortgage, which would mean that I have no place to live and just go do that. And it hit me that I haven't shared the smaller moments of courage that I've taken along the way. Like when a job moved me to Cleveland, Ohio, and I knew nobody, but I just said, yes, okay, because it was a better job, it was better money, and why not? Maybe there would be like cute men I could date there. And then I got a flyer about going on a trip with other people to Russia, and I was like, Okay, I don't know anybody in Russia, but it's a really cheap trip. Okay, I guess I'll do that. And then they said, well, will you come to this meeting and will you like share your experience? And I was like, okay, like that kind of scares me, but I guess I'll go and share my experience. And then that led me to the person that I'm about to introduce you to. There are so many small steps and maybe those don't even seem small to you, right? Like a step I remember, I went to a meeting once and I didn't know anybody And so what I did right before I walked into that meeting was I threw my shoulders back. I tussled my hair a little bit because we know I love my hair. And then I'm like, all right, we're going in. And I went right up to somebody and I said, hi, I'm Karen. And my heart was beating out of my chest. I thought I was going to throw up. But that was a moment. And there are all of these courageous moments that lead up to you, to me, to all of us having this extraordinary life that maybe it seems like you're just not a risk taker and you can't do. But that is why I'm so honored, excited to have my guest on today. My guest today is not only the author of an incredible book that I'm going to tell you about, Scare Your Soul, but he's one of my dear friends. And yes, I said he. You know, he's got to be pretty good for me to bring a dude onto this show. I think he's only the third man to come on the show. One of the other two was my husband. So we know this has to be a really, really good, good human. And beyond being a great human, he's an incredible coach, an incredible author, and an incredible, incredible igniter of everything about your courage. So let me introduce you to my dear friend, Scott. Scott Simon is a happiness entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Scare Your Soul, a movement inspiring individual and global change through small acts of courage. He has spoken around the world, motivated people at schools and companies, given a TEDx talk, co-founded a happiness incubator, and studied and worked with international thought leaders in the area of courage and happiness. 
He's a high-performance coach, focusing primarily on creating flourishing lives post-divorce. He leads mindfulness meditations, has served as an officiant of numerous weddings. He earned his BA from Skidmore College, his master's from Case Western in Cleveland, and certificates in positive psychology and coaching from the Whole Being Institute. He is the proud father of two incredible kids who I haven't seen since they were actually kids. They're now young adults. And when he's not out fulfilling his sense of wanderlust, he is in Cleveland. Let me introduce you to my dear friend, Scott. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for having me. It's so, I, I, I love that introduction in so many ways because I think you encapsulated when you talked about small moments, you encapsulated like what really constitutes a life. Mm. It's not these grand leaping off a cliff or quitting a job and moving, you know, to another, another continent that, that creates a life. It is stringing together these small moments. And if we can attack those moments in a, in a, in a joyous, fulfilled, meaningful, passionate kind of a way, they open doors. Those mm-hmm. little moments open doors and you have walked through so many of those doors to, to be who you are today and where you are today. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an honor to be, to be part of that journey and, and can't wait to talk to you today. I know. Me too. Okay. So this is hilarious. So let me just paint the picture for all of you. I need to go back like, is it 15 years ago? It's probably more. I don't even know at this point. It's so many years ago. And here Scott and I were, we met at this meeting because I'd gone on this random trip to Russia and he was at the meeting and then whatever. Then we find this like mutual love of everything self-help. We both look at Liz Gilbert like the Bible. We literally would like get together and read, eat, pray, love together. It was like we were like obsessed. And then I said to him, like, I found this thing, positive psychology. He's like, that's cool. Yeah, you got to do it. Right. And then I apply for a master's degree. And then he's like, guess what I found? Positive psychology. And we've been on this like (laughs) parallel path, which has been really, really fun. Right. Over these years. And when I met you, you were already what seemed to me to be a gregarious, charismatic, outspoken, outgoing, right? Like extroverted change agent in the world. But immediately on like page six, I don't know, I have to look at what page it was. You had me in tears because you talked about, and I probably will cry again, being picked on at school for being a short kid. Yes. And how you were so quiet from that experience. And one of my biggest fears is that my son is going to be, it's not even likely, he's going to be a short man. And look, yeah. my husband is a short man. We're Jews. It's it's part of our, <laughs> it's like a little bit of part of our makeup. It's a, but, it's a gift of your lineage. Yes. <laughs> right, right. But we actually did IVF with the intention of having a girl. We were told we would get to choose, right? And then we only had one embryo and he was a boy. Yeah. And I was terrified because I said, well, we would have picked a taller egg donor because then maybe, but when knowing you, and how courageous you are and how beautiful and meaningful and big of a life you've created. I had never heard that, that you started from this place of being picked on and being quiet. And I would love for you to take all of us through that journey. Sure. I, I, first of all, I'm here to speak up on behalf of all of those who 
are introverts, all of us who uh, have been picked on or bullied or left out, um, those of us who didn't feel that we had a voice that was uh, worth listening to. And I spent the vast majority of my childhood wanting to be invisible. I was um, bullied by, by two kids growing up. I never told anybody. Um, they would um, attack me. They'd verbally abuse me. They'd swing me around in circles. Um, I'd fly off into the bushes and just sit there and think to myself, you know, what do I have to do to stay safe? Um, and the one, you know, real insidious thing I think about bullying is it creates a sense of shame. It's not just mm -hmm. the bruises, either, you know, internally or, or externally. It's this, it's this sense of shame where we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to share it. We don't want to talk to those who potentially could love and support us. I think it's much better now than it was when I was a kid, but it is still traumatic. I mean, it, it is a trauma and I suffered mightily because of it. Um, I couldn't speak uh, probably in front of more than two or three people. My throat would close up. Um, I felt really unworthy. And, um, and that led to a very small life. It led to a life where I just wanted to recede into the background. And it wasn't until really I had kind of an epiphany on an airplane, actually, um, that, that led me to say, maybe there's a different life here for me. And what does it take for me to do that? And uh, it wasn't until much later in life where I, f I found this beautiful whole field out there of academics and, and practitioners that study happy people and people with flourishing lives. And, and, and what I will tell you and your audience is, I think, and I would never, I have two children of my own, and I never would want them to have to necessarily go through what I went through. But... It gives me a sense of empathy. It gives me a sense of sensitivity. It gives me drive and ambition to want to help others who have gone through or are going through what I went through. And for those who didn't take off their cloak of invisibility when they were in their early 20s like I did, and who are still in that place, it is my passion, it's my honor to speak to that. Not that I'm a guru or, 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 or even an academic. Uh, what I am is someone who cares about leading the most passionate, audacious life possible. I want it for myself. I want it for my family. I want it for you. I want it for all of humanity. And when we let this bullshit uh, a st um, um, not stop us, the fear of what other people think of us, the fear of failure, um, the fear of success, all of these self-created fears that that society and our parents and our and 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 our world has has bequeathed to us. And when we can peek behind that curtain, then you start to see this life that is so rich and it's so beautiful and it's so fulfilling. And so I get to talk about that <laughs> and I get to um, coach people through that and and really, when I do that, I still am that that kid. That kid is still me. It's not that I now have superpowers. It, it's, it's that I just understand myself better. And mm -hmm. I have confidence to push through in ways that I didn't when I was 10. But I sure do now. And I love encouraging people down that same path. Mm. We all have that little one inside of us, don't we? 
We and do. It's like, I think I talk to little Karen like 20 times a day, right? Because her fears are, <laughs> no, seriously, right? Like right? little Karen is in there and she's so afraid. Even of doing an Instagram post, people will say to me all the time, like, you're so fearless and you're out there all the time. I'm like, fearless is not a word, right? Like, I, I don't it's believe not. it's a thing. And, it's not. Right. In science, we know it's not. Our body needs fear because if we're alone in a dark alley tonight and there's someone chasing you, I want you to have fear and run. And yeah. but like that little part of us is going to be there. But as our guru, quote unquote, Liz always says, right, she's, you know, mm-hmm. that, that little one is going to be, doesn't get to drive the car. They're going to be in the back now. So, so I ended up um, a number of years ago and I thought about you the entire time. I ended up somehow in a writing workshop with Cheryl Strayed and Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm. Um, it, it was um, a, such a privilege to be in it. But Elizabeth Gilbert, who is <laughs> truly one of the most amazing humans, had us in that, in that writing workshop write a letter to fear, write a letter mm. to the fear that exists within all of us. And when you write a letter to fear, you're in a dialogue right? Mm -hmm. We're not in this materialistic, I'm going to crush and overpower fear. And I mean, if you're, if your listeners and your followers Google um, how to become fearless, it's like a hundred million hits on Google. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing. And, and actually if it, if it was possible and in rare cases, yes, there are people who've had a a brain injury to their amygdala and they have, you know, they literally have no sense of fear they they you have to bubble wrap them right they cannot exist in this world so the question is are we going to live in this mystery world of trying to conquer and mili- militaristically uh, obliterate our fear or are we going to dance with it mm. are we going to accept it as our dance partner and say you're here i'm here um there part of you is going to keep me safe but there's a big part of you that's holding me back and I want to explore that part. So what does that look like for the two of us? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that that's really where you start to see fear as a beacon. It's like it's like a lighthouse that we should pay attention, right? Something is happening where we need to pay attention. Mm. And when we pay attention, then we can start to take action. Um, and sometimes that action means not taking action, or it means quitting, or it means it means not going somewhere or not doing something or not continuing on with a relationship or not, you know, it's not always, I'm going to take a forward step, but I've been doing, you know, uh, courage work now for, for many years. And I will tell you that the vast number of people that I talk to and work with feel that there are these inherent fears within them that are stopping them from acting in ways that they themselves want to push through. Right. So what does it mean to do that? How do we do it? That's where I feel like, you know, scare your soul and our movement and and the kind of methodologies behind it really start to, that's where the rubber hits the road. Mm, this is so good. A couple of things that I just want to like put a picture frame on. Dancing with your fear. Right. It's actually one of my favorite practices, like literally, because I used to do the like, ah, fuck you fear, because that was like what, <laughs> what other coaches maybe would tell me. And I was like, well, that didn't work, sure. you know, and it's like, oh, wait, compassion and come here, honey, and like sit on my lap, baby, and like let's talk is so good. So I want you all to like really take that in. And then this other piece that I just want to highlight for everyone that is so, so important is the 
ability within each one of us that we all have these fears, like every single one of us, fear of rejection, fear of not being loved, fear of not being lovable, fear of failure, like all of it. And we can still, it's like, okay, that fear has information for us, which might be information like you might have that conversation like, well, what? what are you so afraid of, right? It might just be like, well, I'm afraid we're going to get hurt. Okay, well, let me take care of you. Or it might be like, this is dangerous. We don't want this. But I often find that my fear is telling me something that I kind of really want and is like at the edge of something bigger and more expansive. And when you first told me about Scare Your Soul, I don't know how many years, is it six, 10? I don't Uh, know. Six. Six years ago. Okay. My whole body tingled. It was like, Oh, I think everybody can feel it in that title, right? Like scare your soul. (laughs) So like tell us what that even means and what it means to you. Sure. The name is, um, it borders, there's a spectrum on how people feel about this name from mere annoyance to curiosity to um, outright anger. They don't, you know, it's, it's a name that in my mind, I I have my own thoughts about it um, and, and what it means to me. Um, I think for many people, it means different things. For me, it means waking up. Scare mm. your soul to me means, well, let me give you a quick anecdote, if you don't mind. Because I, I think I can Please. explain scare your soul in a feeling, um, in, a, in a way that may be better than using words. I, um, I would expect nothing less of you. <laughs> so when I was in fourth grade, um, I was at a uh, preparing for a choir concert. I don't know if you remember the choir concerts at school and we had holiday concerts and everybody would line up. I was the shortest, which meant that I would come in last because you went in order of height and I, I, I was shorter than all the girls, all the boys, came in last and was standing on the bottom riser as we were preparing with our substitute choir teacher. <laughs> and he had us singing um, 76 trombones from the Music Man. That was our big finale to this concert. And he gave almost all of us these little solo lines in the song. And each time he came around to me, it was my turn. The entire class is singing. The entire grade is singing. I choked up Mm. and I couldn't get it out. And he got angrier and angrier. And by the third time, I was bright red at this point. You can imagine everyone looking at me because he would have to start the entire thing over again because because of my screw up. And I remember on the third time, he kind of stormed at me. He was wearing this Hawaiian shirt. I remember these big green palm trees like it was yesterday. And he kind of stormed up to me. I'm 10 years old. And he says to me, you, you're ruining it for everybody. Why don't you just mouth the words from now on? Mm. And I remember immediately in that moment going from loving singing to hating it. to feeling like it could only bring me pain and embarrassment. And I didn't sing again for 35 years. Um, I had had my epiphany on the airplane, which I'm happy to talk to you about, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of an awakening moment. Um, I had gotten a certificate in positive psychology. I was actively trying to find ways for people to become happier and to push their comfort zones and to bring a sense of surprise and delight into their lives. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do something this weekend that scares me, that pushes a comfort zone, but that would unlock something. Like, mm-hmm. what could what could I do that's not like dancing with a snake or ju- you know jumping out of an airplane, but something that really is going to 
unlock something for me. And within about five seconds, I knew what I had to do. Mm. And that was to grab an acoustic guitar and to sing in front of a group of strangers in front of a busy restaurant on a Sunday morning when the brunch crowd literally spills <laughs> out of this restaurant and down this down the lo- like there's this down the street. And so, and if you think that that didn't bring up fear for me, <laughs> it was terrifying. But there's a special kind of terror when it's coupled with excitement and you know that you're doing something that's right. You know mm-hmm. that you're doing something that's good for you, yes. right? It, it wasn't about me standing in the middle of the street and playing chicken with a car coming the other direction. It was this guy affected me in such a way when I was 10 years old. I want to take my power back and I'm going to do it. Now, I walked into this environment. I was looking at all of these people. I had my guitar and I started to play and Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I have a terrible voice. (laughs) There was nothing about my performance that was great musically. But it was the most powerful feeling. When I was done and everybody applauded, there was a kid actually who ran out and threw a crumpled dollar bill into my case and everybody (laughs) laughed. I mean, it was the most, it was just pure joy. And And you weren't booked to sing there. Like, I remember this in the book. I know we've talked about that before, but you weren't booked. You were randomly, you just stood up. I literally showed up with a guitar and began singing in front of this group of strangers. (laughs) And when I finished, and I remember putting my guitar back into the case, and if your listeners can like picture something that they have done where they really pushed and, and they did something they never thought that they could do. And it was almost like my, my, bloodstream was filled with freedom. Like it just felt like freedom flowing through me. That feeling is scare your soul. That is how I want people to feel every single day. And it's not easy. (laughs) It is, it means stepping into discomfort. It means pushing. It means sometimes changing and, and maybe disappointing others who are along this the path that we happen to be on at this moment. (laughs) But we each have this destiny inside of us. I almost think of it like, if you think about a sculpture at the end of a a long hallway in a museum, and you're walking down the museum and you see this sculpture and the sun is is like glinting off of it, and it looks beautiful, and you you, you just appreciate it for this sculpture that it is. The Western approach to art is really to look at that end product. But the Eastern approach to art is to think about the block of stone that existed before the sculpture even arrived. And that sculpture was fully formed inside that block of stone. Like it was already there, but the sculptor's job was to chip away, chip away until he he or she revealed that sculpture. I honestly believe that that is the life that we're meant to to, to live. Hmm. We have it all inside of us. We just need to chip away at those fears, those anxieties, those worries. And at the, and chipping away means, and this is what Scare Your Soul is all about, and, and hopefully what the book brings to people are small, practical ways to step into that moment where it feels uncomfortable, um, it feels maybe even a little scary, but we're doing it with intention, we're doing it with passion, with drive, with love. 
And then what happens afterwards is this incredible, audacious journey that is what we all deserve. Mm. It's like I have no words for what you just said, because that is my hope for everyone, as well as you know. And those fears, it's like the analogy of the sculpture, I believe a million percent with one piece that I'll add. I actually believe that when our soul came here, our soul already knew what that sculpture was going to be and started acting as that. And then we put the clay on. Yes. The clay comes on because of the little kids that picked on you or because of that horrible substitute teacher. Yes. Bless them wherever they may be at this moment. Right. Indeed. Or because of whatever has happened to me, to you, to all of us in our life, because of society, because of, right, it's like I was just working with a client today who just hates her body, which isn't her own. That all came from what society said that a woman's body is supposed to look like. Yes. And so it's like the clay comes on. And I used to wonder, okay, why, if we all have this purpose of ending up like the sculpture, why Why, God, goddess up there, did you make it so hard? Why did we have to then put all this clay on? And I think it's because for the soul to actually shine, for the sculpture to actually be bright, we had to go through the exact experiences in our life and actually work our way out of them. Yes. Yes. And then we have this very important thing called choice. We -hmm. then decide, are we going to follow that path? It's like approaching two, two, yeah. you know, a fork in the road, right? And and which road are you going to follow? And and you know, there are so many. This is a podcast, you know, episode onto itself. But there are so many ways that our bodies and our minds conspire to keep us status quo, mm-hmm. right? Like our body, our body trends towards homeostasis. It wants us to stay in equilibrium. It wants us to stay safe and, 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 and not to push out into new ventures. I mean, this is what the negativity bias is all about. All of these things that I'm sure all of your listeners deal with fixed mindsets, you know, this concept that we we're just, we just need to stay on the course and everything is going to work out. And, and in my mind, um, to, to allow that soul, that, that, that sculpture inside to shine, to be actualized in this world, we need to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. We need to do the chipping away. And what I have found is, and I think this is really, I think why Scare Your Soul resonates is that work, although it sounds you know challenging and, and it is in many ways, it's also fun and enlivening and connecting. I, I remember one of our first ambassadors um, came to me and said that she wanted to do, we call them scare your soul challenges. So it's like, go out in the world and do something that scares you that you feel like will unlock something. Her name is Sarah Marie. She actually wrote a beautiful, beautiful piece about this in the book. But um, she's a beautiful, strong, tough, amazing woman, dancer. And I said to her, I want you to do something this weekend that's going to scare you. And her first response to me was, nothing scares me. <laughs> and I said, Oh yes, it does. I want you to think about it. And I want you to come back to me. And so I was, I was about ready to do my singing experience and I wanted to know what she was going to do. And she came back to me and she said, I thought about it and I've decided what I'm going to do. So I said, what? 
She said, I'm going to hold hands with a guy and walk through the mall. And I thought to myself, what in the hell is courageous <laughs> about that? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I would do that in a heartbeat. It would, you wouldn't have to pay you would me walk 10 hands, cents to right, do that. You would hold hands with me in the mall. You would hold hands with 18,000 people. Ab- like, absolutely. we probably have held hands walking through a mall. Yeah, like, that's just how, have. right, that's how you are. But it was her answer that, yeah, she that, that lit this light bulb above my head. And her answer was, she came from an abusive home growing up. She did not like to be touched. She mm. did not hug. She didn't want anybody stro- you know, touching her shoulder or her hand. So for her, walking through a mall, holding a guy's hand, was just as damn courageous as it was for me to grab a guitar and sing in front of a busy restaurant. And that's when I realized that it's not, there's no measuring stick here. That when we're courageous, we actually inspire each other. And so there's this multiplication effect. We get to achieve this incredible burst of confidence and joy and vitality, right? All of those things that we feel when we push through and we get to revel in other people doing the same thing. And so Scare Your Soul has created a community around what we do. We have ambassadors. We have participants. People post on social media. People email loved ones. They email me. There, you know, there is this mutual support network around acts that are changing lives and changing communities. And, and I really do believe changing the world. Mm-hmm. I think when people stand up to... Um, to forces that are that are holding them down, when people are speaking truth to power, when people are loving their bodies, when people are connecting with strangers, when people are giving to people who need it in a way that feels courageous and brave and loving, we end up with a better world. And so there's this there's this very cool internal mandate, but when we do it, we start to affect the lives of everyone around us. And mm. so I think that there's just so much power in the work that you're doing the work that I'm doing because it's so human. This is not 10 steps to, to uh, you know, conquer fear or become a, a, a strong, empowered woman in, in a day. This is a life. This is how to lead life in a way where we're going to connect and grow and, and serve others. And that's, I mean, who doesn't want to lead that life? That's right. it. That's what we want. It's everything. It's everything. And like that, that feeling, it's like my whole body is like dancing and like, yes, 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 just say it. I'm like, yeah. Scott for president. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> what I love, so a couple things. One, that feeling you described that's on the other side. Like when you were describing singing and then on the other side was like this burst of freedom that flowed through your blood. Yeah. And that is, that's the fe- a feeling you said it so well that I feel every time I've done the hard, scary thing, whether it is ending a relationship or it is walking into a room that I didn't think I could walk into with my shoulders back or whatever it is. And that is the inspiring thing, right? It's like not one size fits all. And I think this is something I love about Scare Your Soul and I love about the book. You show us in the book that they don't have to be these big, huge, it's like I was talking about in my intro, these big, huge sweeping. You might not be ready to leave the relationship or leave the job. Maybe you never have to leave the job. It doesn't mean you're not courageous, right? It doesn't yes. mean it's like these are the pieces or maybe if you know in your soul, this is not the job. This is not the path I'm here for. 
start with something else. Start with something smaller. And you give so many examples. So first of all, the book is incredibly well-written, which I love. Incredibly well-researched, which I love. And it is chock full of, it's like a workbook in there, right? I mean, it's like chock full of exercises. So let's talk about a couple of the exercises. Like one of them you talk about is talking to the person behind you at the coffee shop. (laughs) Yeah. And like, okay, so I did it. And I was like, whatever, no big deal. I talk to people all the time. No, mm -mm. like big, bold Karina that people might know. She does that. (laughs) But like when I'm just showing up and like, my mom hair and my sweats and like, you know, yep. no. So what have you found? Let's talk about some of like the smaller yeah. examples. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for anybody listening to this, it can sometimes sound like, oh my God, I have to do these big, huge things. And it's almost, that's akin to almost somebody saying, you know, I want to, I want to run a marathon. Cause I know you were, you were a marathon runner or one. And it's almost like saying, yeah, like, just go out and do it. Like, right. 26 no miles. Problem. Whatevs. Just yeah. go do it. Right. You're, you have two legs or, you know, you, or you can, you can get there, you know? And, and, um, but no one says that because they know that it takes training. It takes piece by piece, day by day, rest days, run days. And eventually you will get there. Eventually you will hit that starting line and eventually you will do it. Now, I view courage work exactly the same way. It is almost crazy to think that we can lead this life in with society telling us uh, be just like everyone else, with people around us expecting behaviors that are that are similar every single day. You know, um, uh, our own bodies telling us, you know, let's just let's just keep on this track, right? Let's wake up, let's let's brush our teeth, and we're gonna take a shower now, and then we're gonna we're gonna get to work and. That's great. Yeah, we're going to get home and yeah, we're going to watch maybe some Netflix and maybe we'll do the same thing tomorrow, right? It's it's everything is is keeping us in on that line. You start to disrupt that system when you start to tackle these little moments and I I I I really wanted this book to be as immensely practical as possible so that somebody could open it up and even just end up in a chapter and feel like they could walk away and start doing something immediately. And I think one of the best examples is exactly the one that you just chose. And that is buying a cup of coffee for a stranger and having a little mini um, curious conversation with them. I think it's a great example because it almost epitomizes all of the aspects of Scare Your Soul that I feel like are so important. One is you're grappling with the unknown. You have no idea. You cannot control this engagement. You have no idea who this person is how this conversation is going to go, what they're going to say. Are they, is it going to be embarrassing? Is it going to be revelatory? Are you going to meet your new soul friend or are you going to get yelled at? You do not know. Okay. So that's part of it. The second is there's this beautiful feeling of service to it. Like you're not asking for a cup of coffee. You're giving a cup of coffee. You're, you're, you're providing it for somebody else. So there's this sense of, um, I want to do this. I want to do it for, it's going to help somebody else. Um, and then, you know, the third part is it is it's pushing a comfort zone. It is it is mm-hmm. putting us in a position where we don't normally like to be, but it is actionable enough that most people can do it. Most people can go to a coffee shop and buy a cup of coffee for for somebody um, if they can't. There are many, many other you know um, uh, suggestions in the book. But I will tell you and I've probably done this. I don't know. 
25 or 30 times since I started Scare Your Soul because um, it's one of my favorite things to do. I would say 99% of the time, there is a beautiful, powerful interaction because you are asking that person to also step out of their comfort zone by accepting. You are engaging in a curious conversation with somebody that you didn't know. And curiosity is one of the key drivers of happiness and vitality and living an audacious life. Um, and we end up feeling for the rest of the day like we have done something so important, even though it was a $3 cup of coffee. And that actually connects with other people. Most likely that person that you did it for is going to tell other people. They may very well want to do it, which in many cases people say they're going to do. And so you see these ripple effects. Here it is. It takes you one minute. It maybe costs $3. And you see these immense results. And so when, you know, if people are saying to me, you know, what's one thing that I can do immediately? I, I oftentimes say, I want you to go buy a cup of coffee for a stranger. And as I say in the book, uh, people have reported back to me on many occasions what has happened when they bought coffee for a stranger, including two women who connected, did not realize that they had gone to the same business school, the same graduate school, and ended up in a company together because of that interaction. I read that, that they're business partners, which is like amazing. Yeah, they're business partners. So, and you never know, right? And that, that was the whole point of your, of your, of how you be so beautifully opened up this conversation is we don't know until we take those little steps, what's right. going to happen on the other side. Right. Here's the thing with that one. I've bought umpteen numbers of coffees for the person behind me. Like, I think that that's like super fun, right? But then I walk away. Yes. The piece that <laughs> aren't I so amazing? I'm not I spread the holiday cheer. No, right? <laughs> right. I spread the holiday cheer. Oh, look, I put a quarter in someone's meter, like whatever it might be, right? Yep. yep. It's the talking to. And I don't even, do you even know this about me, Scott, that I have massive social anxiety? Oh, that's okay. I do too. Oh, no, I figured you did. <laughs> like, okay. I can't remember yeah. if we like yeah. would talk about this years ago. But like, most people don't think that about me. They probably don't realize that or think that about you either because it, we are. Right out there, we speak the thing and, and on microphones yep. or whatever it might be. But like, yep. put me in front of a thousand people on a stage way easier than having that one on one conversation. Right? Yep. Because my little girl was like, I switched schools between third and fourth grade. And I had a lot of friends in third grade. And then in fourth grade, I suddenly was aware that like, I didn't wear the right blue jeans. They all had jeans with an upside down triangle on their butt. And I was like, what are those? Oh, I'm supposed to have them. Yeah. Oh, they're $80. Oh, mom doesn't want to buy them for me. You know, like all of that. And so yeah. it was like a sudden awareness. And I don't know what to talk to people about. And so that <laughs> is the scary piece, right? And Absolutely. I, you probably hear that a lot that like, and of course, in our world where we've gotten so into texting and social media, we don't have those connections. Absolutely. Right. A absolutely. And if you think about like, so take that one little instance of buying a cup of coffee for a stranger and having that conversation, right? And by the way, I'm sure there are people that are listening who would say, you are crazy. Like you are more comfortable speaking in front of a thousand people than you are one person. And the answer is yes. For and me. It's right. So it, for you, that's exactly right. So it's this whole sense of honoring courage as a virtue, right? Not placing a label on it like you're, this person is more courageous. And I'll tell you why that's so important. So many people think 
I'm just not that courageous person, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh. Like they literally are, they are saying to themselves, I'm just leading this life. I'm not one of those courageous people. Right. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. And you just said that it's harder for you to buy a cup of coffee for one person and have a little conversation right. than it is to stand up in front of a thousand people. Mm-hmm. That's proof positive that we all approach this with our own beautiful, complicated, gorgeous way of moving through the world. Yes. And and so what what we what we all need to do, I think, is not this one size fits all or this top ten this or or even you know buy this book and it's going to solve all. It is a practice. It's a way of leading life. Um, I, I oftentimes, when people ask me you know, to kind of give a headline of what, what Scare Your Soul in the book is about, I oftentimes say, you know, we're so used to having practices or rituals in our lives. Many of us have exercise practices or meditation practices or gratitude practices. Very few people have a courage practice. Mm. And just like people write in their gratitude journal, and I've had a gratitude journal, I've had a gratitude practice now for seven years, haven't missed a night in seven years. There is something even more powerful about a courage practice. We just don't oftentimes think of life that way. Okay. This is the first time, right, that I've ever heard anyone talk about a courage practice as you said earlier, our entire world would be changed, right? If we each harness that tiny bit of courage every single day, because then we would see, oh, like like you use the marathon example. I don't even know if you know, Scott, how I ran a marathon. I was not a runner, zero miles. But I had always wanted to do this work, as you know, and I was terrified of doing it. And a friend of mine had just come back. I was living in Cleveland. A friend of mine had just come back from running a marathon. And she said, you know, it gave me discipline. And I was like, discipline. I want discipline, right? Because I want to go do this thing that I think I can't do. I think I have no discipline to actually like leave the the world I'm in. And so I said, I'm going to run a marathon. And that I ran, I said, okay, I'm going to run one mile. And I huffed and puffed and coughed through that one mile. Like I couldn't do yes. it. And then the next day I got up and you know what I ran? One mile again. <laughs> I ran one mile yeah. every day, right? You can picture it because you know where my condo was on Shaker Square. One mile yeah. every day up Shaker Road and back, half a mile up, half yeah. mile down for 10 days until I was comfortable. Yeah. And then it was a mile and a half. And then it was two miles. And then six months later, 26.2. Yeah. And I share that yeah. because it's what you're saying. It's like if we had a courage practice, this is so good. I'm like so excited about this. these little courage, bits of courage, you will see. Then you might say, Oh, now I'm going to try that one. Oh, now I'm going to try that one. It might get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until there are the bigger things that maybe you want to do, whatever, whether it's starting an Etsy store or it's around putting yourself out on online dating or whatever it might be, you might find that. So these little practices, I want to talk about, there are so many in the book and obviously I don't want to like share everything that's in the book because I want everyone to go get this book, scare your soul, scare your soul. It's so good. One of them I think is perfect for the new year. And it's something I teach my people all the time. It is bragging. Yeah. And you actually have a really great. It's so huge. And I will say, listen, I don't work with men, but I do find this to be is I think especially hard for women because we've been taught not to speak up for ourselves. We've been taught. I mean, you're you're the father of a son and a daughter, and so I know you get that in society. What we've been told, but I have a lot of times women who say to me, just like they say to me, I'm not courageous. Which, by the way, one of the best ways to prove to yourself that you are is to look back at your life and find three examples of when you have been courageous. I yes. did that with a client and she was like, 
Well, I did have that miscarriage and I woke up the next day to feed my other kids. I was like, right. Yes. You're courageous. Yes, you are. So I love how you do bragging in here because sometimes people don't know what to brag about or what to celebrate <laughs> in their life. And you've given us new words in here. And I think especially because it's it's on page 83, you say, in this past year, I, and it's like, I learned, I created, I studied, I transformed, I inspired, I saw, and you give like so many. I'm not even, I can't even, I can't even share all them because there's probably 20 or 25 of those. I found, I healed. And it's like taking it the step deeper because I think sometimes our brain is so wired. I don't have courage. Well, let's, let's define it in smaller steps. Oh, I can't brag. I have nothing to celebrate. Wait, let's, what that means is like, well, what have you, what did you learn? Or what did you see that was cool? Or what meal did you make that was really tasty? Like we breaking it down like that, I think is so big. Totally, totally. And oftentimes, you know, this isn't this type of work. This is what I have found about courage work and about, and about scare your soul is you have to make time in your life to bring this in, right? You have to, you have to have some self-awareness, right? You have to kind of know what excites you, what what things maybe are are some fears, and there, there's a whole process in the book of of kind of uncovering some of those things. But then it's all about these little actions, and they start to add up. And you start mm-hmm. to all I've seen it, Karen, with dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of people, that all of a sudden your self-conception goes from I'm a person doing courageous things. Two, I'm a courageous person just leading my life. Mm. And that paradigm shift, that, that, that reframe is what we all deserve. Because as you just said, we all have those things to brag about. Are we taking the time to just slow down, um, get over that little discomfort bubble of bragging about ourselves, even if it is writing it into a book? Because as, mm-hmm. you, as you mentioned, each one of those bragging opportunities has lines below it where people can write something in. That's so important, by the way. I, I, I love my, when my um, editor first contacted me, we agreed immediately that this book would be a conversation between uh, me as an author and the reader. So there's lots of room for people uh, to write in things. I go through the same exercises myself. And in many cases, I describe what my experience was so that the person doesn't feel like they're doing it alone. And then I really encourage this whole accountability structure of finding an accountability partner and doing that with other people. But it is these little actions. Um, bragging, I think, is, is, is critical. I actually stood in front of a group of, I would say, about 150 people a couple of weeks ago, and I gave them a little scare your soul challenge. And it was one that I came up with about five minutes before the talk based on some conversations that I was having with the group. And I got up and I said, you know what? I'm going to give you a scare your soul challenge tonight. And this is the one that I gave them. So I'll give this to your listeners as well. When you uh, have a spare moment, find somebody that really cares about you, someone that loves you. And I want you to ask them, what do you love about me? Mm. Now, think about the courage that 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 requires. I can tell you the number of times a day that I tell my children how much I love them and other people how much I respect them. And I, 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 it's all authentic and I mean it all, right? Like I mean it all. But am I saying that to myself? And am I allowing other people to courageously tell me that? So I asked this group of 150 people, go home tonight 
and ask your significant other, loved one, daughter, son, parent, grandparent, what do you love about me? And then let it flow. Just let it wash over you what that person is going to tell you. Hmm. And I got emails the next day, people just glowing because they took the opportunity to say, I know you love me. Tell me, tell me how, and, and tell me why. And so those little opportunities that we have are really the things that unlock. Like, mm, how great does that feel? Like, you can do anything that next day, and you're probably going to do it with so much more love and openness and caring. And, 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 and that's why I think this work is just, it's so beautiful, and it's so powerful. Um, and, and, and no matter who is listening, where they are, where they live, what their background is, they're human. We can all do this and we can all do it together. So true. Oh, and it's, that's my favorite. It's one of my favorite, favorite exercises to give clients. I think all my clients have done it. So I love it, love it, love it. Okay. <laughs> I have to ask you one question, then we're going to get to the purpose power play round. Yeah. All right. So what's one thing you're scared of right now that you need to do next? Oh, that is, I, so I get asked that question all the time. Um, and I, I would, uh, answer you that, and I'm not dodging it in any way, cause I will answer it, but things scare me every day is the, is, is part of it. And that is that I know that I'm growing when I am putting myself in a position where I'm continuing to feel fear all of the time. So that is, that's a huge one for me. Um, for me, the, um, the scariest thing now is standing on larger stages and I mean that metaphorically as much as I do um, literally, and feeling okay with the imposter syndrome that I'm experiencing in the moment. Mm. So in, in many cases, those of us who have you know, you, you know, written a book or are writing a blog or you have a podcast or you're doing something that, and you're asked to, to speak on it, and um, this book is, is finding its way into hands and, and, and amazingly, those people are calling me and I'm having lots of wonderful conversations. Um, my challenge is to honor that small kid inside of me who wants to be invisible, but also to continue to trumpet from the rooftops. Hmm. And that's my, that's my fear edge because it's easy to just write something as anybody who knows it writes something and you send it off or you email it and it's, it's gone and you don't have to touch it again. I want to live in this every single day, which means me grappling with all kinds of new opportunities, all kinds of new ways of expressing myself and of stepping into shoes that are bigger than I've ever worn before. And, and to do so, not trying to, again, be fearless or saying, gosh, this isn't affecting me or I'm fine, but being nervous. I mean, I was nervous before this conversation. I'm, I'm nervous before every conversation. And that's exactly the way I want it because I know it's pushing me into the areas of growth that I really, really need. Yes. Yes. Well, I see bigger and bigger stages in every way for you, my friend. And I want that for you as a friend. I want it for you as a colleague. And I want it for you as a human because what you're doing is so important. It's so oh, important. We you. all, all, all benefit you. from pushing that co that comfort zone, that courage edge. Okay, Scott, at the end of all my podcasts, I like to do what I call a purpose power play round. It's asking you very random questions, and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. You down? Absolutely. Okay, when you were that little boy at that concert that just makes me want to cry and punch the teacher, 
What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a teacher. Both of my parents were high school teachers. And um, I grew up um, really feeling like that was my just greatest wish would be to to stand in front of a classroom and, and teach others. Um, I idolized both of my parents. And um, mm. I think what, rather interestingly enough, now I find myself in a teaching mode all the time. So um, it, it, in a way that dream, that dream did come true, but that, that, that was, that was my passion when I was young. Mm, yes. And you are absolutely, even if it looks different than you thought it would look. All right. What have you learned from heartbreak? That I'm resilient and that heartbreak mm. um, it can sometimes be the greatest gift that we will ever receive. Um, I, um, I've, I've experienced it many, many times. And uh, I think that it has made me a deeper, more empathetic person. And in a way, I love deeper now because of my heartbreak than I ever did before. So to me, it's, it's a gift. Mm. Wow. I'm so touched by that, really. <laughs> 10 years from now, we're, tell us one thing that you want for your life. Well, I can tell you where I'll be because I have the, I have oh. the vision already. Yeah. Okay. It's, rather, it's, it's rather random, so you'll have to kind of roll with it. But I'm in the Park Hyatt Hotel in Tokyo, um, it was the um, it was the hotel that was in Lost in Translation, if that means mm. anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I'm sitting at that bar that Bill Murray was sitting at, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm thinking to myself, "This is amazing. I've never been to Tokyo before, and here I am speaking about happiness to a group of a thousand people." Mm. And I keep that image in my mind almost as like an avatar, like. I've never been to Tokyo. <laughs> I really want to go to Tokyo one day, but I can literally see myself sitting there looking out that window. And um, so in, in 10 years, I want to be at that bar looking out that window, thinking about inspiring people to lead happier lives the next day. That is done, 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 and done. That You're seeing it because it's already happened on the other and another plane and another universe sliding doors. I know you talk about it in your book. Like that has already happened. It's yeah. done. Yeah. Okay. Last yeah. question. You ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I want you to think of Tila for this one. Okay. Yes. What's one thing you want every woman to know? That they are beautiful inside and out. I have a daughter that inspires me every single day of my life. And um, I, when she was growing up, would tell her how beautiful she was. And she is. But I would always stop and say, you know, I mean inside and out. Hmm. And I think that every single woman listening has that beautiful, beautiful soul sculpture inside of them. And they just need to know that it's there and it's ready to come out. We just need to chip away a little bit of that clay on the outside every day. And that thing is going to shine. Thank you for that, my friend.
Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's such an honor. The honor is mine. I'm so freaking lucky to know you and have you in my life. Thank you, Scott, for being here. I know everyone, everyone, I'm still like, maybe especially because I know T, I'm like, you know, I knew her when she was five, but like, <laughs> I'm still choked up by this. Everyone run. And I do mean run. Do not walk. You probably have already done it listening to this. You probably already paused the podcast, pulled over to the side of the road. You probably already got on to whatever bookseller you love, local or online, and probably already ordered Scare Your Soul. You want to make sure you get this book. It is so, so, so good. Scott, I'm so proud of you. I adore you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for being here on the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you to all of you who are listening. We so appreciate you. If you loved this episode as much as we love doing it, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave your five-star review and one sentence about why you love this podcast. That is how women all over the world find us, how I get these great guests, and how I'm able to do what I do. Of course, share this podcast with every woman you know. Make it a book club, this time literally, but invite all your friends over. Listen. Each of you decide. You're going to go do the coffee conversation. You're going to go do one courageous act. That's how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.